The Chinese Year of the Black Milkshake. Welcome to Black Milkshake Comedy Podcast with me, Yorma Kirko. And I'm Ray Mack, and we're back in the James Joyce Irish pub, Istanbul. Somebody asked recently, Ray, what it is that we do. So how would you put it? Black Milkshake, the podcast, probably the greatest podcast in the world. Comedy, variety show with an old-fashioned feel, good vibe, good skills, rude sketches, Jimster. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interviews, quizzes, and games. Not bad for 40 minutes plus. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's pretty much it. I mean, if you've ever, or if the people at home have ever wanted to find out more about living in Turkey, like Ray and I do, or living abroad in general, you'll get to hear travel writer Lisa Morrow in this episode telling her fascinating story. Honzi, our idiot horoscope, who will be teaching you all about the signs of the zodiac. And you'll also be able to test your own views on crime and punishment, where we have our special Dr. Brutus Himmler, survey in criminal minds BS, where I'll probably have to admit something rude, and I wouldn't even tell my mother about it. Well, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? And if you're a fan of funny films or have seen With Nail and I in Wayne's World 2, two of my very favourites of all time, we have a special guest, Danny Preston. He starred in both movies and you can hear what he's been up to since he left showbiz. And you can also find out how to accidentally proposition a Turkish pharmacist in Lost in Translation. Yorma's Lost in Translation. I am sorry, my friend, but I do not know what the hell you are talking about. And in this month's Lost in Translation, we have a letter in from Wendy, who's originally from Northern Ireland, but lives in Istanbul, and found out about Black Milkshake Comedy and found out about Black Milkshake Comedy podcast on social media. I don't think we've ever met. Wendy Ray, have we? I think she, she said she's been here 20 years. And she writes, I've been in Turkey for many years now, and in the early days I was trying to get my head around the Turkish language. And I was good enough to do basic errands even when I was sick, so I thought I was okay. Being a bit under the weather, one day I went to the pharmacist to get some cough syrup, pretty pleased with myself that I was able to ask for it in this rather tricky language that has no connection to any other in Europe or the Middle East. Upachuk Shuraplasm, I proudly announced, pointing at my mouth. I need some cough syrup, or so I thought. Silence mixed with shock, and he asked me if that was what I really wanted, so I repeated clearly, Upachuk Shuraplasm, pointing to my mouth again, and then gave a little cough so he'd get the hint. After a few moments, his face broke into a smile. I'd got the I need and the syrup bits right, but instead I'd said Upachuk instead of Ukshuruk. Then it was my turn to be embarrassed when he pointed out that I'd asked for kissing syrup instead of cough syrup, and he thought I was trying to give him a big snog and share all my germs with him. (laughs) (laughs) These things happen. I'm sure I've said much worse than that. (laughs) Actually, uh... I meant to tell you this a couple of a couple of weeks back, Jimmy. Uh, my son Aaron, actually, he was lost in translation. Did you know that? No, right. What did he do? <laughs> this goes back to uh, his kindergarten days, and for some reason, he couldn't get a, a grasp on his surname, Mac Andrew. Okay, picture this, Jimmy, Mac Andrew. He couldn't quite get his tongue around the pronunciation. Right. But lo and behold, his great memory of animals brought him through. What did he do? <laughs> the teacher asked him his first name and surname, and he replied, Aaron McKangaroo. Oh. <laughs> Seriously, 10 out of 10 for effort. The apple yeah, didn't yeah. fall far from the tree, Jimster. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. God, I could imagine you doing that as well, you know. <laughs> Aaron McKangaroo. <laughs> Splendid. If you've got a Lost in Translation story a little bit like that, if you've ever been misunderstood in a different language, or you've simply said the wrong thing, whether you've asked for kissing syrup or you've called yourself a kangaroo by accident, please give us a shout. Send us a message on our Facebook page, Black Milkshake Comedy Pubcast. Send us a message, send us a private message, and who knows, your story could be heard in 55 countries across the world. <laughs> Spoken like a true man. Marmite, Yorma. The great debate. A few uh, a few weeks ago, Jimmy, uh, there was a huge debate about this on the Black Milkshake comedy site. One shaker quoted, I love 
exegrees with passion. Personally, I think, Jimmy, it's horrid. Scutter from the gutter. Oh, God, I've never, ever, ever liked it. I mean, it, it's one of those things, though, isn't it? You can call somebody a Marmite personality. You know, you either love them or you hate them, and that's it. Exactly, but a, a majority, a majority would beg to differ. For example, our two avid listeners. Now, a big shout out for Mark Johnson mm-hmm. in England and Steve Danger Jones. Both of those blokes have downloaded all nine episodes and listened to all nine episodes. Mm-hmm. And they would literally thump you in the face, Jimmy, and kick you in the ghoulies if you were to say anything bad about Marmite. <laughs> Would it be would it be classed in the category like Guinness? Like it's an acquired taste, Jimmy. It is, it, it is, isn't it? But it's I don't know. It's nastier than Guinness. Guinness Guinness has a bit of almost a bit of sweetness to it at times. But at Marmite, I've never ever got it. I've never ever got that taste at all. I mean, I tried it. I thought it looked nice when I was a kid. I saw somebody putting it on toast, and I thought it, yeah, you know, this is going to be nice. But it's just got this horrible yeasty sort of. Yeah, yeast infection smell. <laughs> well, that's the yeast you could do. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're extracting the you-know-what. <laughs> Inside Out in Istanbul with Lisa Morrow. We've got our special guest, got travel writer Lisa Morrow, who you may have heard uh, she does a monthly slot on our programs, but we have got her as our main guest this week, and she's going to be with us, telling us about all the things that she's experienced here in Istanbul. Looking forward to this one, right? Absolutely. Lisa Morrow, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's, well, it's great to have you on, actually. I mean, we, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, Lisa is quite a well-known published author who writes them and well I'll let her explain that but on issues connected to Turkey and she does a regular feature on our show where she talks about the quirkier side of of living in Turkey that perhaps you don't see if you go on a package holiday. Um, Do you want to tell people at home just a little bit about yourself? Sure I've been living in Turkey for a long time about 15 years mainly in Istanbul but I've also lived in central Turkey and in a place called Kayseri. You know, I lived there. I lived in um, Gurame in Cappadocia, which people know for the fairy chimneys and stuff. Um, I lived in Antalya briefly, but as I said, mainly in Istanbul because um, I'm easily bored (laughs) and Mm. I like the stimulation of Istanbul. I'm a bit of everything. I'm a trained sociologist. I can do travel writing, personal essays, um, features, interviews. I'm very multi-talented without blowing my own trumpet. But the problem is they like you to be in a nice little niche. Mm -hmm. So like if I said, I write about women in terrible marriages who all wear headscarves because that's Turkey. I'd do a lot better than saying, no, hang on a minute. What about the girl in the miniskirt? And what about the people with the tattoos and the body piercings? And, you know, my normal, that's my normal train ride, yeah. basically. You know, if you hyper-focus on one area, then as you say, okay, you could become well-known for the person who does this. But I think, you know, you're a curious person and you you like to take an interest in in all all facets of life. Can I just ask you what brought you here in the first place? Because you've clearly had a lot of experience all over this country. Pure chance. I come from Australia and and I I went to uni, dropped out, um, got lots of jobs, and then um, went to Europe in my 20s. And um, I met in Ireland, I met a girl from Melbourne. I'm from Sydney, and we hitchhiked around Northern Ireland together. And we lived in a crazy share house in Hammersmith, um, three bedrooms, big lounge room, 24 of us. I slept under the stairs on a mattress. Oh, God. <laughs> then someone moved a mattress in and slept around the boiler because he was quite warm. But otherwise, it was like three people, five people in a bedroom, dossers in the lounge room. Anyway. <laughs> While we were there, Georgia, who was from Melbourne, said that she was going to Greece. And I said, well, that sounds really interesting. I hopped on a plane to Athens, ended up on a boat, ended up in Istanbul. And it was 1990. So I arrived in Istanbul just as the Gulf War was starting. Well, I'm wandering around and eating simmets and enjoying the Grand Bazaar, getting totally lost and meeting nice young men and eating minimum and having a great time. We'd sit out on the terrace, hung over from Black Sea Cognac, which was a pound, of, like a pound of bottle. And I mean, you could run your car on it. We didn't care after the first few glasses. <laughs> and I'm staring at American battleships out in the sea. And back in those days, like it sounds ancient, but you'd trip down to the PTT, the post office, and you'd make a call home. Mm-hmm. One of those reverse charges calls. 
or a call that you paid for that was like 10 minutes of, oh, you shouldn't have called. It's so expensive. Well, I have called. How are you? I'm good, but it's so expensive. Ask my question. And all the money is wasted on talking about how expensive it is. I remember those days of living abroad as well. So Georgia, who was about 25, her parents said, look, we know that you're an adult, but if you never do anything we ask you, please leave Turkey because we think it's really dangerous. So she flew back to London and I stayed and I hitchhiked to central Turkey. I lived in Gurame for three months and it was a really small village. It was great, but it was a bit scary because there were um, people fleeing Iraq with like gas masks. So it was all feeling like coming through on their way elsewhere. But, you know, me being me, it's like, no, mum, I'm fine. Don't worry. I'm having a good time riding horses and I'm learning to knit and because that's what I did. But I loved it. It sounds really weird, but it was the first place I felt really grounded and Mm. really um, happy. I remember feeling, you know, your your teens are crap usually and then your early 20s can be messy. Mine were pretty messy. And I'd I'd gone to uni and I didn't Mm. like it and I didn't fit in. And so when I dropped out, it was like, oh, crisis, crisis. So in Gurame, I mean, I would um, ride horses with the men in the morning. I'd go and knit and talk to the women in the afternoon. I'd cook with the family. I'd eat um, uh, potatoes um, cooked in the soba in the stove in the cave. And it wasn't until I had to, like, break the ice in the shower, the outside shower, to actually have a shower that I thought, I think it's getting a bit cold. It's time to leave. Yeah, we're literally breaking the ice here, aren't we? This is not a metaphor, literally. in a way. Yeah, yeah, really yeah no cool. metaphors, really doing it. And But I loved it. And so I came back six years later with um, Kim, who's now my husband, and then we came back in – 2000 and and you can read my books for all the details but it was pure chance that brought me and it's um but it's been persistence that's made me stay wonderful as turkey is it's a hard country to live in and istanbul particularly can be challenging is a really polite word for those days when you're absolutely fed up with everything Mm -hmm. and and there's too many people and it's too complicated but then something sweet will happen someone will help you or like i'll go and buy something at the charcuterie and um the man will offer me a tea or a biscuit randomly out of nowhere yep. and uh, I'll, have, I'll have little conversations and I'll just go yeah that's why I'm here because I feel like I'm, I'm part of something and I'm connected in a more much mm. more human way than back in Australia now yeah yeah I can I can understand that I mean that there are certainly frustrations here but I mean just on the street that I live in I've been chased down the road by the local tailor waving an umbrella at me when it's raining in case I get sick you know, that, that's something that's almost unique to, to Turkey, really, isn't it? But I think that makes it interesting. I've been going to the same hairdresser for 10 years, but very early in the piece, I turned up one day very uncharacteristically and realised I'd left my money, like my whole wallet, everything mm-hmm. at home. And I was really embarrassed. And he's like, oh, don't be worried, don't be silly. I said, I'll come back, I'll come back straight away. He said, no, it's lunchtime, go home, come tomorrow, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and he meant it, you know. And, like, even though I'd been a few times before and he knew vaguely what street I lived in, he didn't know me from anyone. And yet, no problem at all. Good luck. Now, I wanted to do that. Oh, it's an absolutely vicious day here in Istanbul. Um, It's pouring down. It's close to freezing. We're expecting snow today. Uh, Could have snow all week, actually. But it's it's not the kind of day when you want to be outside. But uh, now you've just been in Ireland, right? Actually, just back two days ago. Arrived home on Friday morning. Now, lo and behold, Jimmy, you're not going to believe this. I went for nine days. It was a semester school holiday, and I usually always tend to go in January, end of January, to go home to see mum. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a tent of rain, not even a drop of rain for nine days. I'm always blessed with good weather every time I go to Ireland. And actually, Jimmy, the week before, there was mist there was snow, there was sleet, and I went in the exact right time. A ray of sunshine, eh? Yeah, but What's seriously, you... though, yeah, Jimmy, there was a great old buzz in Ireland, and I think uh, it was all to do with the Oscar talk, the Banishees of Inisherin. Uh, it's nominated for nine gongs. You know, that's a fair yeah. scatter of gongs, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Martin McDonough, back with a vengeance, the director uh, in Bruges. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one, yeah. <laughs> and with the same with the same cast, again, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, now, right. The good, yeah, the good news for this, Jimmy, is it's mainly uh, filmed on two islands off mm-hmm. the west coast of Ireland. So good skills, Mayo. Ackill Island, the largest Irish island, population is 2,500, and Inishmore Island, 760 population, Jimmy. Inishmore, that would be the big island, wouldn't it? Would it not? 
that's a smaller one. <laughs> I, thought Mara, one. I thought Mara was big. <laughs> smaller than uh, Ackill Island. And it's about a guy called Porrick. And he's mm-hmm. devastated when his uh, friend and good buddy, Colm, suddenly puts an end to their lifelong friendship. And with a little bit of help from his sister and a troubled islander, Porrick sets out to repair the damaged relationship. Now, a lot of critics on this, Jimmy, but as the great Irish philosopher once quoted, mm-hmm. each mm-hmm. to their own. Now, I've heard good things about it. I've also seen uh, seen the trailer for it as well, and uh, I do know somebody who tried to download it illegally on one of these Turkish or Arabic sites, and uh, it's not up there mm-hmm. yet. I have been reliably told, but um, but actually, yeah, I, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen it, Jimmy. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm going to get down to it sometime. This week. Now, uh, getting aside from that, Jimmy, met up in Ballina for several black milkshakes with our avid listener, Jeff McGuire, okay. and our tip-top critic downloaded mm-hmm. and listened to all our episodes. Uh-huh. A scatter of black milkshakes. And I tell you, I woke up the next morning with somebody else's head, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> if you're out there listening, and I'm sure you are, Jeffrey, ta very much. Great catching up. Mm-hmm. Uh, next day, Jimmy. Yeah, sorry. Next day, Jimmy, we met the beautiful Eleanor Prendergast from Claire oh, okay. Morris Radio. Cool. Yeah, I saw the photograph that you posted of the two of you in the uh, radio station in Claire Morris. She interviewed us on uh, episode nine. Yeah, that was called Eleanor Prendergast Investigates. Okay. Mm-hmm. We did a pre-Valentine's Day show together called uh, Jimmy uh, Romancing the Radio. I want to know what love is. Yeah, no, seriously. That Fabulous. radio was that radio was with an, a Y in it as well, wasn't it, Ray? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I do it. seem to recall that even though I wasn't there, that was my idea. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous lady, our editor Prendergast, and we had a barrel of laughs, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's. Yeah, anyway, it doesn't finish there, Jimmy. Right, go on. I, then. Ended, I ended up in Cross Malina. Now, oh. Jimmy, you know our very good friends in Cross Malina are... I know exactly who you're talking about. Would you be talking yeah. about Hackett Technologies, those people Hack- who uh, occasionally give us access to audio files that we shouldn't really be hearing? <laughs> exactly. Hackett Technologies. No, Jimmy, that was a scream and a half. Actually, Jimmy, uh, I have to tell you, back in the day, I did a couple of gigs. So I did a lot of DJing in Cross Malina back in the day. Mm. Did you know, Jimmy, that John Lennon is from Cross Malina. I did not know that. I thought he was from Liverpool. No, no. John Lennon, not the John Lennon. John Lennon and uh, Cynthia Lennon are the parents of Kevin Rowland, Jimster. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. John and Cynthia Lennon? Yeah. Do they have the same name as John and Cynthia Lemon? uh, Lemon. John and Cynthia Lennon. Imagine. What was Kevin Rowland then? Was that just a nickname or something? Yeah, it must have been because uh, Kevin uh, lived in Cross Malina for four years, until he was four years of age, and the family moved back to Coventry, Jimmy. Okay. Turai, Turai A. Yeah. Come on, on, Eileen. So did you see him at Hackett Technologies? Uh, (laughs) No, but uh, in great form now, I have to say... uh, Back in the day when I was doing those gigs, uh, there was a song out at the time. And it was the anthem. It was by Shaggy. You remember Shaggy? Yeah? Well, it wasn't Not... me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. Mr. Lover, Mr. Lover, Mr. Lover. Yeah, the right. anthem was Oh Carolina. Mm. The crowd halfway through, after several black milkshakes, the crowd would chant, Oh, cross my line. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Lover, man. And that was it. Absolutely had a fabulous time. Didn't went to the wild, wild west of Bell Mullet. And I have to say, was in a great pub there called McDonald's. And I have to say a big hi to Porrick, the uh, owner, the gaffer, the landlord of it. He gave me two pints of Guinness, Jimmy, and okay. two smidgens of whiskey on the house. Oh, we'll have to have him as a sponsor of the show. Oh, I tell you, it's the type of place, Jimmy, they say, easy to go into, 
very difficult to leave. Yeah, yeah, like the, like the hotel especially at especially at those prices. Um, <laughs> it'd be it'd be really cool if we could actually record one of our shows there at some point. Oh, M- might even manage works. that in July when I'm over as well. Who knows? Please God, in July. Let's see. Astrologer and Agni uncle Hansi from South Africa. Great, let's go over and see what nonsense he's cooked up for us today. Welcome to Hansi's Horoscopes. I've had a lot of letters in asking for a return of the Zodiac, which I thought was a pretty stupid movie anyway. But it turns out you want more of my mythical readings about astronomy. I know that not everybody believes in horoscopes, but believe me, they are for everybody and not just single women. So, I've got permission to educate you all a bit about what lies in the stars. And when I say lies in the stars, I I mean sits in the stars, not tell stories that aren't true. For example, there are four elements. Try not to say elephants like Greg the Cleaner thought I said, because there are only two of those. African ones, yes, and those stupid little ones on another continent. Okay, the, the the four elements are fire, earth, air, water. Are you following me so far? It's much better than the periodic table in chemistry where they have about 3,000 elements. In astronomy, we only have four and they are all brilliant. Fire. Now this is the element for Aries, Leo and Vegetarians. Earth. This is the element for Taurus, Virgo and Capricorn. Air. Gemini, Lyra, Aquarius. Water, Scorpio, Cancer and Pisces. So, what does all that mumbo-jumbo mean? I hear a lot of you saying that. Especially Jeff in Galway, who's constantly sending me letters about whether animal husbandry and married life are compatible. I'll save that for dear Hodzi next time I solve problems, Jeff. So, this is my attempt to explain astronomy for all. Well, fire. There are 12 months in the year and some of them are cold, so we need a fire. Two bars minimum in Turkish winter. On the other hand, in the warm months, forest fires are very, very bad. Even if it's fun watching the brush tag light at first. On the earth. Well, we all live here, don't we? It's pretty nice unless you get talking to some of my granny's friends. Air. Again, we all need it. So, why are you trying to monopolize it, Gemini? I know your game. I saw a film about two twins and how they seduced their geography teacher wants to get better marks. Water. Many people say it's what fish pee in. I think that's a cliché joke and not very funny at all because we all need to drink it and I think they're doing it as revenge for industrial fishing. No wonder one of the water signs is called Piss Anyway, I hope that you found that educational and helpful. I'm back next month explaining what Venus rising in Uranus means. But that's not astronomy. That's Hansi the agony uncle answering all your letters and solving your personal problems. Take care, my friends. Right, okay, well, what can you say? What can you say? That is Hansi. That's, that is educational. He's uh, certainly taught me some things about uh, the Zodiac that I didn't know. <laughs> Great character. Oh, God, he is. <laughs> G'day, possums. This is Dame Edna Everidge speaking from Wagga Wagga in Australia. I love to follow Ray and Yorma on Facebook. Don't worry about punctuation and capital letters. Just type Black Milkshake the Pubcast, darlings, without writing the darlings. By the way, please tell a friend to listen on Spotify and Apple. Follow the boys, darlings. Your podcast needs you. Bye, possums. That was Dame Edna there, and from one great Australian woman to another, Lisa Morrow. So, do you want to tell people at home how people may have heard of you? Well, I, uh, in two ways. One is my blog called Inside Out in Istanbul, and the other would be my books, the first of the same name. I'm a big fan of William Dalrymple, actually, and I wrote a biography of living in central Turkey, and I sent it to him. But we started a correspondence, and when he came to Australia to give a talk, I met him, and uh, he was saying how I should write some stories about what life is really like in Istanbul and Turkey, because 
And what I decided I wanted to do was to show people, like you talk about the diversity in Turkey, because I, like, I go back to Australia. I can still go back to Australia. And almost always the first question is, do you have to wear a headscarf? Yes. And like, no, in case you don't know, no, you don't. And so there's all these misconceptions. And, yep. you know, I, I know a lot of people, English speakers in particular, who um, and, and German speakers for that matter, who often tell me what Turkey is like. And, and it's often it's usually something about the president of the country or it may be something about headscarves or things like that. And usually the only knowledge that they really have of this country is, you know, an all-inclusive holiday in Antalya, which is, is not Turkey anyway. Really. No. But, uh, yeah, it's it's really strange, really strange. A lot of people have an opinion about this place. And, it, I mean, I realised when I came here uh, five and a half years ago, I, I don't know what I was expecting. I'd, I'd read lots of tourist books. I'd read Lonely Planets. I'd read Rough Guide and all of this. Oh, sort yeah, of yeah. Stuff. I'd looked up loads of stuff on the Internet. And I, I had an idea, sort of, what Turkey might be like, you know, the, the cliche is it's, it's where East and West meet. Sorry, yeah. I hate that. That that. Oh, anyway, go on. To some extent, it it makes sense, but it, it depends how you interpret East or West, anyway. So, I mean, I, I didn't know what to expect, and I, I had done some preparation in advance, I thought, but still. The very first day, the very first week, the very first month, the very first year, almost everything was a complete and utter surprise. But then again, I think wherever you move, unless you've spent a lot of time there or got family from there, that is the case. You learn stuff all the time, and it's rarely what people who've never been think that it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe because I came by chance or maybe because of me, I, I've never sort of had a... Uh, I didn't really know what to expect when I first came. Mm. I've never understood people who try and interpret any culture by comparing it to their own, the one they grew up in, because, you know, all right, I always look for similarities between Australia and Turkey. Not, I'm not talking political, but, like, what unites us? We all fall in love. We all die. We're all happy. We're all sad, blah, blah, blah. But how do we? How does that play out? Mm. And I get really bored with the, the trope of the East and West because it's it's not that simple. I used to have a friend who would, um, she, she went out one Friday night uh, near Tuxum and she'd rented a really seedy, cheap hotel room because she didn't want to come home, um, had to come to the Asian side to get home. But and we were meeting her in just, the lobby. Just for people to, to know this, Tuxum is pretty much the centre, isn't it, of European Istanbul? Yes, yeah, this and there's a lot of clubs and things like that. And we were meeting in the lobby and she rang desperately asking me to come up to the room because she bought this super, super tight dress and she couldn't do the zip up on her own. And um, it was tight. It was short. And, you know, she looked great. Mm -hmm. But then the next, that was Friday night. But the next Thursday night, I said, I said something like, do you want to come for a drink or whatever? And she said, no, I can't. I said, oh, are you busy? And she said, no, I don't drink on Thursday nights because Friday day is the, the lunchtime period is the most holy. So I don't drink on a Thursday night. And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. And so she used to spend weekends with her boyfriend. Her mother and her grandmother knew she'd been divorced, but she'd go to the mosque, she'd pray, she'd do all the things that were required of her. And this notion that you're one or the other doesn't play in in reality. Yet someone came up with the idea of someone being a cultural Muslim where you don't go to the mosque, but you do all the uh, prayer rituals when someone dies, for example, and there's a whole procedure. And to me it's really fascinating because you'll see, like, two girls together and one's got long flowing hair. So she'll have a beautiful long flowing hair and her best friend might be wearing a headscarf and they'll have earbuds and they'll have one each and they'll be listening to the latest music, which will be like, oh, what's his name, Matos, the, the gay singer or whatever. And so, like, you can't say, oh, this person believes this and this person believes that because – there's just yeah. so much variety, and that's what I try and do in my writing. Not to say I'm I know, but to say, hey, look, this is what you should be observing and, and paying attention to, mm -hmm. because the mosques, the streets, the history is all really fascinating. But this is life, and this is how it is evolving and how it's developing, and that's what makes Istanbul particularly so exciting, because you yeah. can't you can't know someone that easily without seeing them in lots of different situations. Yes, absolutely. They hunt the country's most twisted criminals. on a charge of robbing 49 shops, three factories, a warehouse and a bank. What do you got to say? We've been waiting for you to try and snatch that bag and now we've caught you in the act. You'd better come quietly. Criminal Minds BS. 
Now it's that part of the show where Ray, as stated in paragraph 2.3b of his good behaviour bond, has to take part in mandatory voluntary psychological testing on behalf of the Brutus Himmler Institute. Now, according to the Brutus Himmler Institute and several other experts in the field, like that Kardashian woman with the big bottom, prison time (laughs) only has any value if there is rehabilitation offered and accepted. So, if you'd be so kind, Ray, as to remove your goggles and your tinfoil hat, um, I just need to (laughs) insert this... um, Polygraph suppository up your... Uh, <laughs> Go away from around me. I know. It's okay. Yeah. Well, well done. No, don't, don't fight it. It won't, <laughs> won't, won't hurt. Okay. All right. Wait, wait, wait. 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 Okay. There you go. Okay. Got the rubber gloves on. It's fine. Um, so, Easy gloves there, big boy. Right. <laughs> don't... Just deep breaths. Okay. As always, no pressure and try not to think about the consequences of failure. Okay, as that will not do you any good in the in the short and long term. Okay, so um, here it goes. Which one of the following is not a crime? Okay, so A, forgetting your wife's birthday in Samoa. B, chewing gum in Singapore. C, mowing the lawn on a Sunday in Germany. Or D, driving a tank to church on a Sunday in America. Which one of those is not a crime? Which one of those is not a crime? Hmm. Or looks a bit suspicious. Well, they all sound a bit weird, but... driving One, a... I mean Somali. I don't know. Samoa. Some more. Some more. In the Pacific Island. Jimmy, I'm going to go for uh, number one. So you're going, to, you're going to say that that one is not a crime? So you think it's quite okay for a yank to ride a tank to church? I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't right. know. The forgetting your wife's birthday in Samoa is actually a crime. Oh. It is on the legal statute. Uh, chewing gum in Singapore, owning chewing gum in Singapore, transporting it into Singapore is uh, strictly forbidden. Mowing the lawn on a Sunday in Germany, having the washing machine on on Sunday hammering things in on Sunday, that can also extend to Saturday afternoon, is verboten. Uh, but you can. America, of course, is the only place, mad enough, sorry for people in America, but it's the only place where you can actually buy and drive your own tank. Um, so why not take it to church on a Sunday? Only certain states allow that, but as, as if that makes it okay. Uh, number Thanks. two. Yeah, which one of these works? So you got the first one wrong. It's okay. I don't know if that's affected the polygraph yet, but which one of these words or phrases would not be used to describe the system of law and order? Okay, so A, judiciary, B, legal, C, justice, or D, penile? I'm not going to try to be senile here. I'm going to go for penile. (laughs) (laughs) Not, Not quite senile indeed. Yes, you are indeed correct. It is penile. Um, wow. that does not describe law and order because the correct word would be penal. Uh, penile has other connotations connected to uh, willy-like appendages. Mm. Um, okay, <laughs> uh, three. Have you ever broken into a home and done a big burglar poo on the floor? The answers are A, yes, but only one time. B, yes, lots of times. C, no, but I'd really like to. Or D, do you think I'd confess to something like that on a podcast? Do you honestly, seriously think I would confess to that, Jim <laughs> Sir? Right, so away from around me. <laughs> right. How would you define a victimless crime? What would that mean, a victimless crime? Question four. In theory, theoretically speaking, I'd say it's where no one gets hurt, Jimmy. All right. Where nobody gets hurt. Okay. Now, I have three crimes, uh, which I'm going to read out to you now. So, A, stealing a valuable piece of art. Mm -hmm. B, kidnapping and ransoming someone's beloved family pet goldfish. Or Mm -hmm. C, Admiring Mrs. O'Leary's bra and knickers and borrowing them off her washing line when she's at work, but carefully putting them back when you've finished using them. (laughs) (laughs) Is that it? That's it. 
you have to say which one is the most victimless. I mean, you've got to think, you know, the valuable piece of art. That's somebody's Mm, very expensive possession, isn't it? You might even need to use weapons to get that. Okay, I'm going to go most innocent, Mrs. (laughs) O'Leary's. Oh, God, did I really say that? (laughs) So you you, you think there's there's absolutely no harm in in borrowing Mrs. O'Leary's bra and necklace until you finish? (laughs) Then I go for the... Okay. Definitely art would be the last one. I agree. So, uh, well, not, not that it's my position to agree, but I'm not telling you <laughs> what I think the first one. Okay. Okay, Mrs. O'Leary, I hope you're not listening. Um, okay. Six. In 1866, uh, Dostoevsky wrote Crime and Punishment. Now, Ray, would you prefer to commit a crime or would you prefer to take a punishment? Some people like the old punishment. I know. I prefer. I prefer to commit one. You prefer to commit a crime, okay? Yeah. All right. Okay. So let me have a look at this. So you went for crime. <clears throat> I'm just looking at Dr. Brutus Himmler's notes here. So you went for crime. So um, of the crimes that were mentioned today, um, I can recap a little bit with you: driving a tank to church on a Sunday, Mrs. O'Leary in her underwear, of course, uh, kidnapping goldfish, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. Which one of those crimes do you think that you would most like? to commit in an ideal world where there was no punishment. I'm going to go right back to Mrs. O'Leary. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, for some reason I thought that you might say that. All right, that was good. Um, Just according to Dr. Brutus Himmler, if you had pumped or plumped, or is it pumped? If you plumped... If you you plumped for punishment, then the next question would have been, would you opt for a bend over trousers down six of the best quickie? Or would you go in for the six-week all-inclusive holiday to Guantanamo Bay? But you don't need to answer that one because you've already said that. You know, it's it's the crime that interests you more than the punishment. <laughs> now, we, we can tot up these results, and I, I think it's becoming clear from this that you are a callous, perverted, hedonistic <laughs> sicko who enjoys driving armoured vehicles through people's gardens while sniffing ladies' knickers. And while, <laughs> and while all of these could be possibly victimless, they may even be legally allowed in America. They're certainly not here. Okay, uh, Dr. Himmler says that he will monitor the situation over the coming year and hopes that a return to prison will not be necessary. Now, if you just take a deep breath, I'm going to pull the polygraph out. <laughs> Criminal Minds BS. It's my laundry! No. These are mine! Oh, he must be a knicker snatcher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they all look like him. Yeah. I reckon I've seen his picture in the Sunday paper. Let's talk about your writing a little bit. How many books have you written now? Uh, I've written four, three essay collections and one uh, memoir, and I'm currently writing a fifth for my sins, uh, a sort of um, my guide to Istanbul. It's the less known places. It's for people like me who don't like to be staring at their phone, looking at Google Map, trying to work out where they are, who want to go, right, get this bus, get off at this bus stop, turn right, look there, it's there. Because my Turkish is quite good, when I'm doing research about a particular place, uh, it's often hard to find material in English because um, one website copies another website, copies another. I mean, I was writing one time about a museum dedicated to a musician, uh, a psychedelic rock musician, and the only reference to it in English was on my website and someone else's website that was using my website. (laughs) So so there's there's some great Turkish websites. Like they've got names like Gezde is We're Wandering, um, Evdedelim is We're Not at Home, and they go to all sorts of fabulous places and you find out all these wild little histories. And I particularly like um, things to do with women because Turkey is quite a masculine culture, mm-hmm. but, you know, history is written by men, but it's enacted by women. So there's all these interesting histories around and things that women have done. So where possible, I focus on that. And so, yeah, that's about my, that's my fifth book, which is <laughs> hopefully I don't die before I write it because it's hard some days to just be like, keep writing, yeah. Um, I'm hoping to, that okay. will come out in March or April. 
Mm. All right. Okay. Well, best of luck with that one. Now you, you talk about it, you know every day. It's a bit of a grind getting to do this. How do you actually um, structure this? I mean, do, do you say to yourself like Roald Dahl? I think it was used to do. He would go into his shed at eight o'clock in the morning. He would write till four o'clock, you know, and then then he was finished. Or, or do you need to wait for the creativity to hit? I'm best. I write in the mornings. I write a maximum of four hours because I get quite in the zone. Is the only way to say it. I like to amalgamate history, but in a sort of creative narrative way so that it's I'm telling a story rather than boring you to death with figures, which is how I was taught history, which is why I never which is why I basically failed all the time. And so I try and be creative when I'm doing that. And I need a lot of empty time. And by that, I mean to be on a ferry wandering up the Bosphorus or on a bus going somewhere where I'm not thinking about anything, where I'm not planning anything, or even at the gym on the treadmill is quite good. I'll suddenly go, ha, ah, and I have a yeah. inspiration of how, how to write a sentence. And, and I call it empty time, and I need a lot of empty time because I read a lot, um, I research a lot, I go I go to different places, I write extensive notes, I talk to um, cleaners and, and um, security guards <laughs> because they know a lot about a lot of places. You, you might go to a tomb and I'll say, Oh, are there always a lot of people like this? And they go, blah, blah, blah. Yes, there are. But today's this day. And so you found out something different. Mm. And so I, I make lots of notes. But the, like the latest book has just been a little bit difficult because it's been, it's got 50 entries and that's a lot of writing and having to be disciplined. Whereas when I write for my blog, it's really, it's got a different flow and a different style. And then if I'm commissioned to write something, that's actually sort of easier because they've set how they want it. You, someone else tells you what the tone is, the word length, um, and the structure of it. So it's like, oh, great, I can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. how I write depends on it. But like when people say, oh, you know, you must be so sort of creative and inspired, it's like, no, it's hard work. It's, and it's a discipline. Like, Roald Dahl had it right. You have mm-hmm. to really just plug away. And, and even if you think, God, I don't want to write today, even if you sort of write a paragraph that you destroy the next day, um, you've got to write something. Yeah, I very much agree with that. Ding dong, you're not wrong. So just before Christmas, you might be interested to hear, we hooked up with a famous old-time rocker, Danny Headhunter Preston, who played himself in the hilarious With Nail and I and Wayne's World 2. Danny's over here regularly, and at the moment he's promoting a new range of children's dolls that he's created. And he agreed to see us only on one condition, that he wasn't in the studio, so we went over to see him in his shed in Essenyurt. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've never done an interview in a shed before, and Danny did have quite a few terms and conditions, didn't he, before before he agreed to see us, whereas most guests, you know, are just happy to chat. But I think the studio thing is probably some kind of after effect, you know, from his rock and roll days. Yeah, we had to sign a disclaimer saying <laughs> not to talk about anything to do with touring with Black Sabbath, the Rolling Stones, the Who, the Great for Dead, or anything at all about music, in fact, Jimmy. Yeah. Now, he's given up on the drugs and the booze, and he's relaunched himself as an inventor. Now, apologies ahead of time for the poor acoustics, but Danny's people were insistent that we record live with no edits or re-recordings, and, of course, we had to do it in that shed. We only got the legal clearance to broadcast this a week ago. But for your ears only, Shakers, let's give a big black milkshake welcome to Danny... Headhunter Preston, rock and roll. What exactly have you two been? Uh, just here in Istanbul, Danny. That's a very good idea. London is a country coming down from its trip, and there's going to be a lot of refugees. You're looking very beautiful, man. Have you been away? St. Peter preached the epistles to the apostles with him like that. I've just been to a concert at uh, my son's school. I dress up a little, you know. A concert? I don't do that anymore. I mean, what do I know about music today? So I read in your autobiography, The Camberwell Carrot, that you've become an inventor and don't talk about the old rock and roll days anymore. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Hmm. So what have you been up to lately, Danny? So there's me, Keith Richards, Keith Moon and David Crosby in Sri Lanka, formerly Ceylon, at three o'clock in the morning. I thought we weren't talking about rock and roll, Danny. Don't get uptight with me, man. Have you got any food? I'm just a bit confused, as your people said that you wanted to talk about your inventions and not showbiz. Well, 
when I toured with the Stones. Jeff Beck pops his head round the door and mentions there's a little sweet shop on the edge of town. So, we go. And it's closed. <laughs> Instead of a guard dog, they've got this bloody great big Bengal tiger. Oh, wow, I love tigers. Well, I managed to take out the tiger with a can of mace. But the shop owner and his son, that's a different story altogether. Sweet Mary, mother of God. I hope they were okay about the tiger. I had to beat them to death with their own shoes. Nasty business, really. But sure enough, I got the M&Ms and did a great show. Danny, I think we're going to get the animal rights people on us here. Um, can we talk about inventions, please? I'll get, I'll get Hansi to edit that out later on. As a matter of fact, I'm thinking of going into business. What area of business, Danny? The toy industry. Wow. Seriously, good skills, Danny. Especially with Christmas coming. Great idea. Yeah, my partner's got a really good idea for making dolls. His name's Presuming Ed. It's just to give him the idea. Well, dolls are great. I mean, they, they never go out of fashion, do they? Yeah. She got a doll on Christmas what pisses itself. <laughs> Did... Did I hear that right? Yeah, then you got to change its drawers for it. It's horrible, really, but they like that, the little girls. So we're going to make one that shits itself as well. He's an expert. He's building the prototype now. Okay, Danny. I, I think that's enough for one day. Thanks very much. Might be a bit blue for the family audience, but, but thanks for coming in anyway. I'm not sure if I'd let my son listen to that. No need to insult me, man. I was leaving anyway. Have you got shoes? No. Ah, uh, here. Surely we can't use that. Almost certainly not. Pass it on to the producer, I see. Uh, we were talking the other week, weren't we, Ray, uh, just before you went to Ireland, about a new feature, perhaps, and we, we might even call it the Black Milkshake Book of Records. Not the Guinness one. You see what I did there? Oh, good skills, good skills. Yeah, funny song titles, Jimster. <laughs> Ready for this. You're the reason our kids are so ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking brilliant, roaring, unbuckled. That is, by, <laughs> that is by Conway Twitty and Loretta Lynn. All right, okay. Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't think I know that one. <laughs> Uh, here's another one. Morrissey is quite a mopey bloke. Agreed? Yeah, definitely. But at least, <laughs> but at least he seems to be self-aware. We <laughs> hate it when our friends become, become successful. successful. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you got one, Jimmy? Um, I'm just trying to think. Uh, I was actually uh, Victor, one of our friends and avid listeners as well. Uh, uh, Victor Dufort in the Philippines sent me a, a song. Hi, Victor. <laughs> we, yeah, uh, well, we don't usually use this kind of word on our show, but I think we can say it because, you know, it's in it's in inverted commas, so it's okay. But Victor sent me this song by Kevin Bloody Wilson. Uh, you know who he is, Ray, don't you? The, of course I do. Yeah, One yeah. of a stand-up, yeah. The, the Australian singer and uh, yeah. stand-up comedian who's ever yeah. so slightly rude, and the, the song was called You Can't Say Cunt in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> can you get away with that? <laughs> he did clearly and yeah Victor sent me that this week and uh, it, it's funny it's incredibly rude of course but um, <laughs> oh my god I can't believe you said that Elvis Costello put your big toe in the milk of human kindness lovely gorgeous sentiment Jimmy hmm. by Costello but not exactly an appetizing image no it's not really is it it's um kind of imagery that you'd like to get out of your head isn't it really <laughs> exactly i've saved i've saved the best to last chuck berry smacks it for me he had a song called my dingaling i knew you were going to say that one <laughs> and everyone was cool with it and mm -hmm. sweet mary mother of god yeah <laughs> is that the one that i want you to play with my dingaling with my dingaling <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, Ray, you can't say dingling in Canada. <laughs> Wanted. Dead or alive, shakers. 
We are always on the lookout for guests who have anything interesting to promote. We are looking for people to sponsor our show. We're looking for people to write in, especially for the Lost in Translation section. But most of all, Shakers, you just want Now, if people want to buy any of your books, how could they do it? Okay. If they're in Turkey, they can uh, buy them through a website called akamedition.com. If they're in Istanbul, they can buy them from a Fisto bookshop, which is in Istiklal Cudesi, mm-hmm. Beşiktaş, and Bahari, which is in Kadıköy. Again, if they're in Turkey, um, they can contact me direct I can, um, and they can pay me and I can post them through PTT, the post office service. They can contact me through my blog. There's a contact yeah. section. But they're also available through Amazon. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Amazon, um, if they go onto your blog, the name of your blog? InsideOutInIstanbul.com. Okay. Right. Is there anything that you would like to, to say that you've not said so far? What I would really love is if people come to Istanbul with no misconceptions. Don't read Bloomberg. Don't read New York Times unless it's my article. <laughs> Don't read The Guardian. And don't just go to Taksim and Sultan Ahmed. Be open to the possibility. And when someone talks to you, don't jump 20 feet and go, oh, what do they want? You know, be open to what people say, say and do because some of the best memories from Istanbul are the people you meet. I mean, I, I've met people in post offices. I've met people on planes. And you continue, you know, you, they'll put you in touch with someone. They'll put someone in touch with someone else. And just be open to seeing the similarities. It doesn't matter the language, the religion, or the clothes. What makes you human makes them human. And, and focus on that because you'll have a, you'll find a whole sort of country that you never, never realize. And you don't get it through the Spiegel and all the serious newspapers or even, even the sort of culture pieces because a lot of them are written by people who don't live here. And so they don't really know what it's like. Very, very wise words there. Okay, Lisa Morrow, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on here today. Don't forget, everybody, uh, you can go to Lisa's site, Inside and Out in Istanbul. Look her up on Amazon. Thank you ever so much, Lisa. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed it greatly. Thank you. Okay, we get into that part of the show now. Unfortunately, we're coming to the end. Uh, so just a reminder, please, to keep sending in your posts to Black Milkshake on Facebook. And also, if you can, can you join us, please, on Black Milkshake Comedy Podcast, also on Facebook. And get updates from us there. Uh, what we've been up to, other shows that we've been guesting on, etc., etc. We'd also massively appreciate it if you could give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify or tell a friend to listen to us. These things are really, really important. We need to be as visible as we can, and new listeners are only going to find us if you spread the word uh, or give us those five-star reviews. So please, please, please do that. Next month, our special guest is a sporting legend, actually a current world champion, And we look forward to dipping our toes into that one. I think that's going to be a good interview. Thanks, Shakers. Thanks to our guests, Lisa Morrow, Ralph Brown, Bruce Robinson, Marky, and Uncle Eamon McAndrew. And in next month's edition, you can also join us for a journey to England's weirdest village, Licky End. We've got more Lost in Translation. Onzi will be back and much, much more. Black Milkshake Comedy Podcast was presented by Ray Mack and Yormar Kierko and was produced by James Kirk. No animals or copyright were violated during the making of this podcast. Black Milkshake 2023